Welcome to the Wing Life Podcast, where we talk about wing foiling and the lifestyles of those who enjoy this great sport. Okay, and uh, we are live and going. So thanks for joining me today on the show. Yeah, thank you for, uh, for having me. Good afternoon for me. Good morning for you, I guess. Yeah, it's uh, what time is it over here now? It's 825. And I'm um, happy to start the day with some foil chat, some board chat. That's uh, it's not every day <laughs> you get actually, to do that. I actually got a sneaky beer because it's, oh. uh, it's 5.30 here. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, ran, I ran by the fridge. It was like, hey, there's an, one final beer. That's mine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> so I guess how, how was the work day today? What, um, what did you guys work on? Uh, not too bad. Just uh, nowadays, like I'm mainly in the office doing stupid office work, like invoicing and accounting and all that sort of stuff. So um, yeah, it was not too bad. I've got a bunch of new guys started just like this week and the week before because we're hiring a lot of new people. So I'm slowly uh, handing over a lot of my work, but right now I'm still doing a lot of stuff myself, but we're growing so quickly that it's it's getting better and hopefully... I will have more time to get to get more sessions in in the near future. So it's, it's all good, but we're yeah. But it's it's full on. It's 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 August now, so it's full on season. So yeah, it's it's always the busy time of year. It's uh, where we're packing up for the big demo events, which are mainly in Germany the next two weeks. There's two really big events in Germany. So we're in the Netherlands. Uh, it's about five, six hour drive and there's big kite and wing and foil events, um, bigger than they organize in the Netherlands. So we need to go there in the next two weeks and then come back, repack and then prepare for AWSI in the US, uh, which is the next event beginning of September. So it's always this time of year. It's always a couple of weeks home, a couple of weeks away, just uh, keeps going until October and then it sort of mellows out and we go into winter and it's more more production work. Okay. Now for the first time I saw your brand was in Victoria, BC. Um, I, I went to a friend's store and they had just converted, I think, um, their yoga studio and, and they were running a successful uh, stand-up paddleboard rental business and they were bringing on different wing, brand, wing brands. And I'm a teacher here or an instructor. I'm like, Hey, what do you, th what do you think about Apple tree? And I said, well, I haven't seen them yet, but, um, I love the concept and then I did a bit more research into you and um, into your brand and I just loved your story. So maybe for those at home who are unfamiliar with Apple Tree, um, could we start with your origin story? It's pretty cool and, and it helped brand and, and shape your entire company. Yeah, sure. So um, it's a bit of a classic story of making your uh, your hobby into a full-time job. So I was uh, actually working as a, as a head chef in the kitchen. Um, but always was interested in producing um, anything, basically, just making my own stuff. Was doing some surfboards just for fun. Uh, surfing, like normal wave surfing, became a thing here in the Netherlands, or is quite a big thing now, even though we have pretty shitty waves. Um, but boards were not widely available back then, so I just started making my, my own, or sort of at least like experimenting. The, the first ones were pretty ter terrible, obviously, but it was fun to do, so it was just a hobby, making some boards. Then made a few more for friends, slowly um, made like a board a month, something like that, next to my, my job. Uh, my, my, my brother, Jorrit, who I own the company with, 
um, finished his studies and he has more of a technical background um, than me. And he started working at Mystic, the um, well-known accessories, kite accessories, wetsuit brand, which is from the Netherlands. It's actually literally like 15 minutes away from our offices there, their headquarters. Nowadays, they're owned by uh, by North Action Sports. So they're the same group as uh, as North Foils and North Kiteboarding. Um, he started working there after an internship uh, as a wetsuit designer and harness designer, and um, he got into kite surfing. Um, and I was doing surfboards. I was just experimenting for fun with how to make a board stronger, adding some materials. I was talking to some suppliers of different kinds of resins, different kinds of, of um, fibers, um, all sorts. Again, just as a pure out of interest, just I, I like to find out how things are made and how things are done. And my boards got pretty strong, still all hand-shaped, still all handmade. I did everything myself. Um, and he got into kite surfing and they, uh, and, and he told me like the guys are starting strapless kite surfing so really wave kite surfing on surfboards but they constantly keep breaking and we're looking for a way to make kite boards stronger um and around that time there was just like either people were riding normal pu polyester surfboards and destroying them within a few months or they were riding these really heavy uh ultra thick glass boards that were made for kite surfing but they were not very lively there were not not a lot of feel in there so i just started doing a few boards for kite surfing and then turned out we could make pretty strong boards. And my, my brother started sort of helping me a little bit with new technologies and we experimented with, uh, with a whole hoax of, of, of stuff. And back then we were actually, uh, our parents were living on a apple farm and super close to here. And we were doing everything in the backyard in a shed. Basically, I, I took over my parents' shed, got the bikes out, everything <laughs> made into do a small, small shaping bay. And uh, and my parents actually liked it because otherwise we would, you know, we left the house, so we were never we were never around much. And as, as parents want their kids want to see their kids every once in a while, so actually my mom was always super happy for to have us over because at least their kids were there, so we could work in the shed, um, however, whenever we wanted to. Um, so we were making boards, everything hand shape, nothing too exciting. We we're experimenting with some, some vacuum glossing, which is the way a lot of brands do. So we're using EPS foam, uh, using a vacuum pressing method to, 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 to get a, a reasonably strong board. Uh, we could use some sandwich materials, all that sort of stuff. Just, just got to use, used to working with those, uh, those techniques. Um, and sort of two things happened at the same time. My brother had a friend and he was making a 3D printer and he made a few 3D printers and he said, oh, I can probably make a CNC machine because it's the same as a 3D printer, just bigger and it just takes things away instead of adding, but the rest is the same. So I was like, sure, uh, but they needed money for parts. And uh, I was making good money as a chef. So I said like, okay, I'll, I'll pay for parts if you build the thing. Um, so that was the deal. So my brother and his friend built the thing and I paid for it. Took a year. And then, uh, we had a CNC machine, which was quite funny. So it was, yeah, it was, uh, in the shed. By then we, we sort of extended the shed with, uh, with like a con shipping container we put next to the shed. Luckily, my parents had a big garden, so we could get a shipping container, put it next to the shed put the machine in there and then just started experimenting. It's so nice to have this machine so you can just replicate shapes and get it way more consistent. Um, 
and then we we were at a I think it was a big conference in Germany. There's there's a yearly get together for for composite industry professionals, and we got tickets. So we just went, and and I always just speak to whoever I can speak to, and then just network and found some people who were they liked our story, so they was like, yeah, we we can hook you up with some like high tech materials, high tech foams, high tech other infusion stuff. That's normally you can get it, but it's like not super easy. Uh, but you know, there's these couple of young guys from the Netherlands making surfboards and everyone there is making yachts and windmill blades and relatively boring stuff. So surfing is cool. You know, they're like, Oh, we'll help these kids out. Maybe they can make us a surfboard to put on the booth next year. So, you know, we, we can relate to these kids. They're trying to, to get something going. So we got a couple of brands actually send us loads of experimental things to, to work with. We even got some some foam that was never going to work for surfboards. We knew because it was way too expensive. But they were like, oh, yeah, have a beast. And then we just experiment. And, um, and, and one of them actually said, like, you can come to our lab to see if we can find a way to use a resin infusion method on a, on a, on a surfboard. And, and, and that was sort of our breakthrough. Uh, we went to their lab. We did a, a bunch of tests. It didn't work. It actually costs us, in the end, it cost us quite a few boards that failed. Um, and we were on the sort of tipping point of, of stopping quite a few times because it's actually really hard to, 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 to simplify what infusion is, is basically you, you, you make your, your pack of fibers and your sandwich materials, or in our case, also Finboxes. Uh, well. This episode is brought to you by Saladita Kite School in La Ventana, Mexico. If you caught some of our uh, stories yesterday on Instagram, you'll have seen that. I just got in a couple epic days of downwinding. We got a 10-kilometer downwinder done with my buddy Mickey from Salt Spring Island. Today, I got in an epic one with my friend Britt. Um, we went from La Tuna all the way to the beach and back. Um, Heck of a fun time. If you're looking to learn, there's nothing better than getting a lesson from the pros at Saladita Kite School. They are positioned at Latuna, and now that I've been here a little while, I've gotten the opportunity to visit to a couple different spots. It is one of the more beginner-friendly beaches with some nice sand so you're not walking on any rocks. Um, they do offer professional jet ski-assisted kite and wing foil lessons. Um, so once again, they're at Latuna. So if you want to grab a beer after, grab some ice cream, grab anything, it is a nice little hub there. So you're not just stuck kind of in the middle of nowhere. So they have you covered if you want to learn how to kite, foil, or looking into downwinding. They got top quality gear as well. Uh, so don't hesitate. Book your lessons today by visiting saladitalaventana.com or send them a message on Instagram at Saladita Kite School at Saladita kite school boxes uh inserts all that stuff and you you put it all together dry without any epoxy or polyester or, or resin of what sort um and then put it under vacuum pressure and then inject it under pressure with a really thin resin and and what it does is it eliminates any air bubbles and it gets you the ideal ratio between fiber and resin it's a bit of a technical story but mm -hmm. um yeah i'm sure people would love to hear because this is yeah. contrary to how most brands build right so yeah it's, yeah, yeah no, no other brand it. builds this way the, the easiest 
thing to to compare it to is like if you if you were back in um, school and and you had to to at the at the creative class you had to stick pieces of paper together if you completely smother it with glue and then stick the two together it never really works and you might remember like it's not really stuck if you apply just a thin layer of glue like the right amount it works way better um it sticks way better because there is an ideal ratio between fiber strength or your piece of paper and your glue or your epoxy or your polyester resin and it's it's a well-known thing that there's this ideal ratio that you're always looking for because that way you get the most strength out of your fibers and your combination your your layup with your epoxy or your honeycombs or any reinforcements that can make the only way that that elmer glue is tough that white glue yeah. was hard to use back then. Yeah. Like yeah, exactly. Here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's similar. Yeah. And the yeah. thing is, like, if you have a strong layer, like a fiber layer and another strong layer, and you have a lot of glue in between, the basic strength that you get is the glue, just the glue. And the glue itself is not strong. It's the glue matrix with the fiber that makes the whole thing strong. So, um, yeah, using vacuum infusion, you get the 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 ideal ratio automatically basically uh, and no air and air is always bad because air just means weak points um so can we maybe it, like explain this a little bit more so maybe walk through what how other people do it and then just for our, our folks at home we're looking for a board and they're like hey i need something why why does this set this apart so a traditional yeah company yeah. is doing it version a and then you're saying you're doing it a, a brand newer yeah so there's ba- there's three basic ways number one is the most traditional way of making surfboard so this may that like what you you can look it up on youtube how to make a surfboard that will show you this that no matter the material so either it's polyester or epoxy or the type of foam what they do is they have a blank that you shape the blank that's the piece of foam you shape the piece of foam into whatever shape you want I'm talking about shapes here and you layer a layer of glass fiber or multiple layers or carbon fiber which is like a cloth it's like a flexible cloth you layer it over and then you mix a batch of polyester or epoxy resin which is a like syrupy thick transparent plastic that's flu- that's liquid and then it it's it, it due, due to a chemical reaction it hardens into this plastic so when it's still liquid, you pour it over, and then with this with a plastic squeegee, you work it into the fiber, and the fiber absorbs this resin and sticks it to the blank. And then with your with your plastic squeegee, you scrape away the excess uh, resin as much as you can that drips on the floor that's discarded, and then the layers of of this uh, fiber cloth are stuck to the the blank, and you wait for the whole thing to dry. You flip it round, you sand the edges because there's always a bit roughness there, and you do the other side. And then that's the way you build a normal surfboard. So it doesn't matter polyester or epoxy or carbon or glass fiber. It doesn't matter. Um, so that's number one. That's the weakest way, but it's also the easiest, quickest, cheapest way. So that's why normal PU polyester surfboards are relatively cheap because it's all cheap materials and it's quite an easy process. Then the, the, the next level up is that you do the same thing, but before the resin dries, you cover the whole thing in a, in a, in a perforated plastic layer 
like it's literally a foil with tiny holes in there and then an absorption layer and then you put that into a bag and you pull it vacuum and what the vacuum does it applies pressure to your board and your layers and your resin and the excess resin um, flows through the holes in the plastic layer into the absorption layer um, and it gets you, uh, so it takes away a part of the excess uh, uh, resin that was in your, that was not needed, basically. It's like a sponge with water. You fill it with water, it's completely absorbed, and then you smash it down. So you still have all the sponge there, but you have less, um, less uh, resin there. So again, the resin is just a glue to stick everything together. Simply said, it's just a glue to stick everything together and like, uh, you don't you want minimum amount resin basically that's what most brands do um and what we do is sort of the opposite so we squash first and then inject the resin and it's very hard because it's um it's a it's a common process that they also use for um fins foils uh, car spoilers whatever uh, race boats all kinds, but in all of those applications, they have a, a mold of the boat or of the spoiler for your race car. So they make a mold first and then they press this package into the mold. Um, this is nice because you can replicate over and over again with the same mold. Um, but the, the problem is that you can't customize and you need a mold for every part you do. And for us, as a relative niche sport, it's not worth making a mold for every board. Plus you can't do any customization. So you, you're gonna stick with the same mold for a really long time because it's literally like a, a mold for a surfboard, you're looking at like 15 to $20,000 for one. So that's one model, one size. So if you have one model in six sizes, you need six times, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot. There is a few brands doing this way, making normal surfboards, but considers normal surfing is a much, much bigger sport. So it's it's worth it in some cases, but then still you will see these brands sell the same model for a number of years. They might change the color because you can do that, but they can't change the shape just to, to recoup their investment on the model. Um, and then still it's not really the same process as what we do. So in, in surfing, it's not really used that much. And for us, in so we found a way to do it without using a mold. So we basically use the, the shaped blank as a internal mold, and then press against it. And then okay, yeah. So it's 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 hard to explain it easier than that. <laughs> I understand that it's a hard thing to 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 wrap your head around if you're not a technical person. But but sort of that's the only way that I can explain it. Um, but but the so main takeaway is that. Or sorry, in essence, what yep. you're doing is you're wrapping everything on there, for example. So if you're so mm -hmm. your blank is lying on something, is it suspended or is mm -hmm. it is it on a table? Yeah, I can't tell you. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. It's also a secret <laughs> process. So um, hey, that's I can't go into details of how we I was do gonna, it. It's just I was gonna ask you that, and that's fine. In essence, what you do is you make super strong boards. Um yeah. it, it's a unique process, and yeah. um well, that's all we there, really there, need to know. Yeah, there, there's a, a number of, of upsides to this process. The, the most important one is that we can use core materials and 
uh, honeycomb reinforcements and stuff that you cannot use without. You need this this way of working to be able to use these materials. So it's it's um, it's all connected. Like back to the foam that, for, for instance, the foam that we use, we have our our own foam. So we don't use EPS. We use a, 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 a foam that is 100% waterproof and has a really fine texture. So it's really nice to shape. Um, but if you shape it and glass it in the traditional way, the connection between the foam and the layer on the outside is not ideal. So it will delaminate over time. So a lot of people have tried using this foam in normal surfboards or kiteboards or whatever, because it's really nice. Like it's, it surfs really nice. It shapes really nice. It's really strong and it's waterproof, which are, which are all quite important things. But, um, yeah, but if you normal glass it, it just doesn't work. Like it will delaminate, especially under your front foot where you put a lot of pressure. The, the, the vacuum infusion makes a basically a perfect connection between the outer shell and the inner foam core because there is no air. So it, it's, 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 more, it's again, a bit of a technical thing, but like we found a way that the foam does not delaminate, delaminate guaranteed. Um, so we, we never have any delaminations. Um, so we can use this really nice foam, uh, which is also guaranteed waterproof. So like you said before, if you do ding the board, you do get a crack in the rail or whatever. Um, you really do not have to repair it immediately. You can just keep riding, finish your holiday, finish your session. And then it's advisable to repair it at some point, uh, but you don't have to panic on the water. And especially with these carbon boards that are full black in the sun, they heat up a lot. So it outgasses and, and water does get inside, but not with our phone. So, yeah, yeah, that's maybe something we could unpack just a little bit um, because traditionally um, we're used to windsurf ding, for example, you crack that nose, you're scared to bring that board because if you get yeah. any water in there, you're anywhere from 500 to $3,000 thing yeah. is, is now if it's, almost yeah. obsolete. Yeah. 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 Because the, the reason for this is that, um, the inside of your traditional board is a really light EPS core. So EPS is the beaded foam that your television comes back in when you buy it, but it's really low quality actually. And the reason for this is because it needs to be lightweight. For the high volume, you need the lightweight foam because the lighter you make the core, the lighter the total product will be. Um, uh, the, the individual beads in EPS are waterproof. But the voids between the beads is not like water and air can flow um, between between these beads. Uh, the higher quality, the higher density, the harder it gets. The lower quality, lower density, the easier water transfer uh, trans flows through these uh, through this core. Now, what happens if you're on the beach? Uh, your board heats up due to the sun, obviously. The pressure inside the board increases. And it starts to blow out air through your hole. You might not even know you have a crack, but it starts to sort of blow out air because the pressure increases, the, the, the air expands and it blows out. Then you, you, you're not, you didn't notice you had a crack. You grab your board, you walk to the water, you put it in the water. It gets cold because of the water. What happens? The air contra uh, uh, contracts and it sucks air back in, but, but it's on the water. So it sucks in water. Uh, and the water doesn't stay at the hole, it sucks into the board. 
And once it's stuck inside the core, it's extremely hard to get out. Like you, you if from the windsurfing days, you might know like, yeah, if you have a crack in your nose, you put the board upside down, the nose down, it can drip for days. It just literally like it slowly will flow out, but you never really completely get rid of it. So that's a big problem. And the way they make the board strong <clears throat> is by adding a sandwich layer. So a sandwich layer is essentially a really thin layer of hard foam or sometimes wood or bamboo around the the really soft core. And that's sandwiched in between layers of fiberglass and sometimes a layer of carbon. Um, this makes the board look really like clean. It's really impact resistant, but the problem is as soon as you go through and you hit the core, you're done basically. So it's strong up to a point and then it's done. Now we use a foam that's uh, much stronger from the start and waterproof, but also higher density. So there's no need to make a sandwich because the outside layer is already uh, strong enough on, on the strong foam. There is a few downsides to this. For instance, that if you dent one of our boards, the dent stays with another board because the hard layer on the outside is sort of flips back and the dent is inside, but you don't really see it anymore. But the, for us, the upsides are bigger than the downside. So we decided that it's okay to, to, to go this way. And for your durability, longevity of the board, it's, it's, it's way better because it does outlast the other boards quite a bit. The, the, the other, the, the other small downside side there is, is that there, that the foam is relatively heavy. So it's, if you go at, if you make really big boards, like 130 liter plus, it does get heavier compared to these light foam boards. But on the smaller boards, this is completely flipped around and we're way lighter, but it's just, there is, there is a tipping point there, but we focus mainly on board, making boards full carbon for advanced riders who are not looking for 130 board liter board. So our main sellers are 70, 80, 90 liters, in which case we're like for wing boards and uh, in which case we're super, super light compared to the others and way stronger. Yeah, that's a pretty cool trade-off, especially me just kind of walking through that scenario because I've had several windsurf boards because I just, I've had two wing boards and I haven't dinged them, but windsurf boards, you'll go and then they, as long as you're okay with them getting heavier and heavier, um, yeah. it's fine. But I, I, I read this and I was like, it was a cool concept. And I don't think a lot of people know that they just assume that all boards are either a made the same or they're using the yeah. top level quality of material. Um, yeah. And to approach it in this way, if you're looking for a new board, this would definitely be something that you can now consider. Yeah. And it's, it's different, you know, it also, it looks different. It feels different. So you have to sort of, it, that's why we keep explaining the whole story over and over again, because it's something people are used to a certain way and they're used to a certain feel in their boards. And we, we know this is better, especially for foiling where, where you need the stiffness and the directness of the board. This works way, way better. And, and, and to add to that, so we are nowadays from our humble beginnings on the farm, we, we grew to quite a big company. So we now have our own production facility in Portugal. So my younger brother moved to Portugal to run the factory. And we actually moved again last year from a small factory in Portugal to way bigger. So our new factory now is three and a half thousand square meter. I don't know how many square feet that is, but a lot times nine or something. Um, 
So it's really big uh, and it's completely ours. And that's quite unique as well. So we always stuck to making our own stuff where literally every other brand of wingboards produce at a different facility. So none of these brands have their own factory. They all produce with Chinese or Thai or there's a number of factories in, in, Eastern, uh, in the east side of the world that can, can produce these kind of boards. They all produce there. Um, with like we we always wanted to do our own production because from the start we've been mostly interested by this technology side um, and we we want to fully control the whole production process from the buying of rough materials to you know training our staff and and everything and then at the same time we we want to build a sustainable company so we're really heavy on where we get our stuff mostly locally produced the for instance we use the 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 epoxy resin with the highest bio-based content there is it's not there is higher bio-based but that doesn't um that's not strong enough for us or it's really yellow it's like so we use the, the, the right balance which we try to source everything locally so our foam is made locally in portugal um and we also uh hire everyone on a full-time contract with all benefits which is not as easy as producing in asia where you pay people peanuts and fire and hire them at will we, we really can't portugal is slightly cheaper than the netherlands especially for real estate and it's easier to find staffs that's why we moved from the netherlands to portugal but we we really always want to stay in europe and stay and produce locally uh, for the local market at the same time, I realize you being in Canada, we're growing extremely quickly in the US and Canada. So we export a lot from Europe to Canada, which is not very local. Uh, so we are looking into, it's on our, our multi-year plan to eventually start a production facility overseas to produce for the overseas market. That's one of our goals. So we can, you know, stick with our beliefs of producing locally, but that's another major step that's going to be a few years in the making probably yeah those are nice uh core business values yeah that's cool yeah and it's it's not easy but it's it's also more fun like i wouldn't like to uh, outsource my production fully to a company on the other side of the world where i don't know my staff i don't know who they are i can't speak their language it's you know, I really don't want to go there. We want to build a sustainable company. And and actually, it's kind of nice because we we now also produce for other brands. So there's more and more brands that, that see uh, that what we do, one, produces an amazing board, and two, is is better for the, for the planet and for everyone on it. So they are willing to pay a little bit more or quite a bit more uh, and produce locally with us as well. So that's also one of the reasons why we can expand so quickly because we are producing for a number of brands. There's more brands coming in the next year. Um, and we constantly get approached by brands that, that want to go that way uh, and start producing locally. So we have a lot of interest and we still have to hold back quite a, quite a few of them right now because we can't expand that quickly. Yeah, you're so pulling you're pulling an Elon with superchargers and stuff then. Yeah, that's what we it's what we're trying to do at least like it's um yeah, but then in the, in in the in the wing and in the kite and in the surf business which is uh, which oh, yeah. is kind of cool. No, I've, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Stepping into manufacturing and kind of uh, uh, I guess if you look at that metaphor as like 
your apple tree brand and you've got some deep roots and you don't know where those roots are going to go. And it's kind of exciting yeah. to see you stepping off into that because not only, yeah, I guess not only are you getting a good board, but brand recognition and then expansion is, is something that everybody wants to see. Um, so uh, yeah. yeah, congratulations on that. That's exciting. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And it's cool that people see it and want to be a part of it, you know, and, and, and when you buy one of our boards, like we try to keep the price relatively low, especially compared to what other brands are doing, but you know, you support local Portuguese people instead of like really far away where most of the money ends up in the pockets of executives and, and whatnot, but we're trying to sort of build a community. And, and right now we have 30 something people working there. So uh, yeah, it's one. It's, a, it's, it's, it's turning into a nice family and it's, it's really a family business with me and my brother. And then we have a third partner and then everyone there. And I, I, for me, Portugal is like 2000 kilometers away. So I have to go there every once in a while. And, and right now I still know everyone in the factory by name, but it's getting to a point where I can't do that anymore. But I hope that we still, you know, uh, transfer that, that family value and, and everything into, to everything that we do. So, yeah. yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that with us. Um, it's a unique story, um, especially coming from, a, from, from every product or not every product, but a lot of products that were, we don't know where they're being built, how they're being built. And yeah. that transparency helps build some brand loyalty and trust. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's what we've been noticing. And we're working on expanding that quite a bit. So we're from, for next year, for instance, what we're going to do is you kind of find, um, a near field chip in your board which you can scan with your phone and then you can you get the serial number and everything is stored on that and you can go into this sort of virtual apple tree world that we're building where you can see who built your board uh, you get maintenance tips you can you know have a direct line with us for if you have any issue and you know we offer advice on how to repair how to maintain your board how to take care of the board and then eventually we even want to go as far as like how to recycle your board, end of life, you know, how, what can you do uh, when it's, when it's done and how can you dispose of it in such a way that it, that it can be recycled. So we're, we're, we have a long way to go still. It's a really fun process to, to work on, which is one of the things that I'm really passionate about. And I'm, I'm also like now that I've got more staff doing the sort of normal day to day stuff, I can think about these kind of things more, which is a really, really cool thing, I think. And it's something that I really love doing as well. Oh yeah. The, the innovation. Yeah. Innovations in your, in your hands, which is, which is pretty cool. Um, to walk people on shapes, sizes, um, can we maybe go into a little bit about that? Is there anything you can share about? Cause a lot of people come to me and they're like, what shape should the bottom of my board be? If I want to a get out of the water quickly. And mm -hmm. my foil foil track placement. So foil tracks yeah. go too forward, too far backwards. Um, one guy just reached out from Ottawa and he was asking about, I want to make sure my board is lively. I got a bit of a bigger foil. So my track placement, I want to make sure that my foil can go far enough forward. Can we go into mm -hmm. some of those details? Into yeah, for the sure. thought processes behind them? Yeah. So um, it, it can be a bit confusing because we now have in our like just focusing on the wing range, we have three models, which I know is quite a lot, but at the same time, we're a board brand. So I think we're allowed to make specialty boards. At the same time, um, we make 
everything to order or we have very limited stock and also shops usually have limited stock so we make a lot of boards to order this allows us to be more flexible in sizing and everything because we don't have to calculate like again going back to another brand that has to order from asia they have to decide a year in advance like this is what we want we need to fill a container there's 300 boards in a container we have to decide on sizes but that winging and foiling is such a new sport it's developing quicker than this normal one to two year cycle that most brands are on so they might order with a factory order three four hundred boards um and wait a year for these boards to finish and ship to your local shop and then they have to sell them for another season which is like another year so but within the year of their them waiting for their delivery the whole trend might have shifted or the whole you know foils might have changed so for instance like you say foil placement high is highly dependent on the way the foil is designed and what brand of foil you use and some brands are really pushing their foils forward because they're designing them in such a way that they work better, more forward in the box, which um, then means that some older boards with the foil box very far back can't accommodate these foils anymore, which is annoying. Um, For me, not very sustainable, but I understand that it's a new sport and it's pushing forwards and, and, and foils are, I'm still amazed when I get new foils how much better they still are like I, it's I, incredible eh? <laughs> it, it's incredible it's not done like in, in innovation and, and development is definitely not done so we're still in this super exciting phase that kiting was in maybe 15 years ago where every new model was exciting and new and now everything is good you know there's no bad kites anymore with with wings and with foils like it's the new you still want the new stuff um now, well, we only make boards, so we have to try to accommodate most, if not all, of the foils. So what we've done last year is that we made new tracks that are our own tracks. So a lot of you can buy standard tracks, but we made our own tracks that work better with our construction. They're also much stronger, and they're quite a lot. They're like two inches or five, six centimeters longer than the standard boxes, which means when we place them correctly, you should be able to fit any foil to our boards. Um, we also make them neutral, as neutral as possible, which means the angle of attack, so the between the mast of the foil and your standing position, with our boards is 90 degrees, so it's it's like the, the most neutral position. Uh, with some foil brands, you might want a base plate shim to compensate for a design choice that they made. So for instance, um, F1, makes their boards with a bit of tail rocker. So it's the, it, that means that the angle between the standing area and the foil ends up at like 91 degrees. So their foils are compensating for that. So if you, a lot of people like to shim their uh, F1 foil with one degree negative to make it neutral again. So these are things that, that we can't help, that we have to sort of rely on foil brands. Uh, for instance, Armstrong is a foil brand that really pushed that forward position. Um, so those foils naturally want to sit more forward in the box. Um, but newer foils might might want to go back. And like we also are slowly moving our foil boxes in all our models further forward. So I'm currently riding my Axis Spitfire foil on a normal fuselage, almost all the way to the back again. 
But then Axis has launched this advanced fuselage where the mast connection to the fuselage is four centimeters more forward, which means I have to compensate with them my mast placement and put it five centimeters forward. But because of our longer boxes, I still have enough room to play. So we try to make, we, we experiment a lot. We test a lot of different foil brands constantly to check if they still work. But it's also a, a personal preference thing. Um, you know, get some of those wing nut things that you can adjust your foil in the water, for instance. They're like not very expensive, but it gives you the opportunity. You don't have to go out of the water. You've got these big wing nuts on your, on your foil and you can move it. So just until you have it in a position that you feel uh, comfortable with, there's, there's no good and bad. There's just what you, what you like and what you're looking for. Um, oh, so, that's a good yeah, tip. That would be yeah. The, and heard about the it. advice on the, yeah. Uh, on the foil placement. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, what about, um, yeah, shapes now. Yeah, so it's another one where um, a lot of development and it's very uh, sort of trend sensitive as well. So a a couple of years ago, all the boards had these massive cutouts behind the foil and some brands still have because somehow everyone believed that that really helped release or push the board up so our first boards also had that and now it works it's fine the boards work but we slowly got realized that it's not perfect for all conditions and it doesn't always work so most brands are now onto this more uh, flatter uh, uh, surface of the board or or bottom of the board Um, which makes sense because um, it's a it's a more stable area um and if you for instance look at kite boards or windsurf boards they're all flat with a hard edge on the back and this design works really well for uh planing speed so it's stable at slow speeds and it's fast at high speeds because you get this planing surface the the hard edge in the back of the board makes the water release. So a rounder edge will pull the water up and sort of slow you down slightly. And at planing speed, that is not at slow speed. Um, and uh, this this hard edge surface, like a windsurf board, uh, glides really well on at speed. So a lot of brands started, including us, started making boards with these hard edges, flat bottom, um, and that works really well. Uh, Right now, though, um, we're moving ahead with shapes uh, and we're moving away from this flat planing surface. But but it doesn't mean that there's no uh, there's no market for a flat surface. So we are, as a brand, as I said before, focusing heavily on the advanced rider and the semi-pro riding guys know what they're doing and can, can properly wing in almost all conditions. Um, and, and everyone's getting better all the time. Like, like people, even in the, in the higher pro ranks and freestyle, people are doing stuff that was unimaginable two years ago. So we constantly have to evolve with that as well. Yeah. I guess you um, would, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. And, and we can, because again, we produce ourselves so we can, basically move much quicker than other brands as well. So we can move and work with our team much more in, intensively and, and come out with new products quicker, even though we don't want to come out with new products too often because you also don't want to rent their old stuff obsolete. But 
Um, what we found is that, uh, well, the, the planning story is true, but by the time you have enough ground speed or, or water surface speed to really get the benefit of this planing surface, your foil takes over. So you lift oh, yeah, yeah. And, the, and it's the foil. It's not the board anymore. Um, so this whole theory of a planing hull uh, being easier to ride or easier to release is actually not true. It is more stable because it's a flatter, wider surface and it's much more easier at slow speeds to, you know, get up on your feet, gain speed. Uh, but as soon as you have a little bit of speed, you pump it up and you're away. And this, this flat area, actually, what it's designed to do when you, when you plane, so when you're on plane on the board, it actually sucks to the water surface. It actually doesn't want to release because it wants to stay on the water surface. So what happens on these bigger, wider boards is that if you're on foil and you touch down, you really feel it hit the brakes. And then if you're lucky, it skips back up. Um, but it does slow you down. And with more radical wave riding, for instance, you do hit the, wa the wave quite often. And same for freestyle. If you jump, like ideally you land on foil and stay on foil. But what happens in practice a lot is that you sort of hit the water surface and that slows you down. And sometimes it slows you down so bad that you get stuck, stuck in your tracks and you have to pump your wing again to get back up the foil. Um, so we started experimenting with a completely different hull shape, which is, which is way rounder. And we noticed that if you touch down on this round shape, it actually sort of bounces back up. And it's not just a round shape. It's also like we made these boards into a very sort of a teardrop shape with actually this little point on the end. Um, and, and that's where we are now with the latest range of boards. Um, and, and what you feel with these boards is at slow speed, they have less drag than this wide flat board because it's, it's like a teardrop shape. So it's a very uh, hydrodynamic shape where the water can flow around. So they are actually easier to get to speed. And then once you hit foil liftoff speed or stall speed, you, you will go up and this round bottom with the tip on the end sort of releases the water and you, it, it doesn't stick to the water. It really flows up naturally and you're away. And then the same when you touch down or when you land, you hit the water surface and it just bounces back up. And, and we've been literally been testing this and I actually was testing it yesterday again, just on purpose, constantly hit the water surface and feel what the board's doing. And sometimes you hit it in such a way that you feel it break, but most of the time it sort of skips back up. So it's the reason why our, our, our newest boards are called the skipper because that's what they do. They, <laughs> they skip, skip up. Okay. All right, they fair skip. enough. So because the board I'm currently riding, I'm riding a, a KT Drifter, and they have a triple or quad concave on the bottom. Um, yeah. Any thoughts on that bottom shaping um, aspect of things? Because I find the one concern and complaint that I've had from blowups is that they're flat, so they stick. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But I found this concave, um, or yeah, the shape of the bottom of this one, because I think there's two or three ripples or three ripples. Yeah. It definitely yeah. helps with, with not yeah, sticking. it does. Yeah, okay. it does. So concaves stick. Like concaves are there for stability at high speed, so they do stick because they are stable because they stick. So when you're on plane, they are actually stable because it holds the board onto the water surface and make it stick. But these like concaves with sort of the the the, the tips of the between the concaves that that 
creates release points. Uh, so yeah, that that does help. So we are experimenting more with like a plane, like a boat hull kind of shape, like what you call a displacement hull, which really sort of moves the water in two ways, but also creates a release point when you when you go up, the water releases down. So with the skipper, there is actually a sort of a bulge on the front of the board that sits lower than the foil tracks. So it hits the water first before the flatter part in the back hits the water and it already starts to bounce back up before the rest of the board hits. And then the, the, the tail, you, you have to, yeah, it's maybe hard to see on the video, but if you look on the website, you'll see the whole shape of the, 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 the tail is completely designed to, to, for that release. Um, so it's a, it's a different way of, of looking at the, the I mean, there's different ways to solve this, this problem. Um, and like I said, like we're still making flat boards. So we're making three models. We have one, the, the Jazz, which is our sort of freestyle board in the smaller sizes. And it's quite wide and short and fat. And in the smaller sizes, it works really well because if you land your trick and you land on the water surface, the board sort of stops. It does break, but it, you at least you land the trick and you can pump it up and ride right away. Um, in the bigger sizes, like 95 liter, 80 liter, these boards are extremely stable because they're short and wide and they're like super good for intermediate riders who come off their like 130, 140, maybe inflatable board. They go down, down to like a 90 liter board, just saying like your average, maybe 80 kilogram um, weight. So you're riding a 90 board, which is floats your weight but it's getting tippy because it's close to your weight. These boards are really stable, super easy to ride, and they will last you a really, really long time. But you will notice that when you get better and you get more into wave riding, that this stubby, shorter, wider shape does get in the way uh, and the edges start to hit the water uh, in the wave when, when you're riding waves and stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, it works. It works for a lot of people. I still ride a Jazz quite often on flat water because it's a really nice free ride board and it's really super easy, even in a sinker. So I ride, I'm 95 kilos. I ride like a 62 liter sinker in a Jazz. I can almost ride that all of the time because it's so nice and wide. I sink it, I on my, I'm on my knees, I grab my wing, I get a bit of pressure in the wing and because it's so wide, it pushes you up to the surface. And then it flows on the surface quite easy because it's so wide. It, it you don't you don't need a lot of speed for the thing to sit on the water surface. I get up and I just pump it. I crank the wing and I pump it up into foil. So that board works well for a lot of people, and definitely going to continue making that board for that reason. And then the, the next board up is the slice, which is our sort of free ride all round kind of board, which is compared to the jazz is longer and narrower. Um, and it's got more of this displacement hull in the front, but it's still a flat bottom with a straight edge on the back. So it's more of a flat planing surface style board. Um, these boards work well as both a sinker as a, and as a floater style board. Uh, they're more traditional. It's still our most popular model that we're selling now. Uh, and it's a board that from intermediate to really advanced, people really like and they keep riding. And it's also a board that you sort of don't outgrow. Um, but then finally, the skippers are, uh, we believe, the next best thing, um, but only for advanced riders. And actually, the biggest skipper wing size that we make is 75 liters. And the reason for this is that it's designed as a sinker. It's designed as a sinker style board because if you are going to ride 
this board as a floater, you can, but you need to go way bigger. And then it works really well as a low wind board, but that's what we sort of done in our downwind subfoil boards. So the downwind subfoil boards in the smaller sizes, like 80, 90, 100 liters, are also the low wind skipper wing boards. But the skipper wing range, as is, is designed as a sinker. So you should ride it as a sinker. And I personally, again, I ride a 60 liter. Uh, yeah, you do need some wind. It's not a light wind option. It's a perform high performance shape, but from like 16 knots, 17 knots onwards, it's for me, it's easy to ride. Um, and as soon as you have a little gust and you get it to the water surface, it's so fast and it pumps up so easy that that people actually appreciate that low end side of the board more than a sticky flat bottom. And they really are like, wow, I'm, I'm amazed that I can ride this small of a board. And if you want to go sinker, which I know that a lot of people eventually want to go sinker because the, the, the advantage of a sinker wing board are, are insane. Like it's so not much nicer to ride, uh, when you're up on foil because there's a lot less board. Um, yeah, this is actually really easy for a sinker. So, uh, but advanced, like it's not for your average. Well, it's, and you're yeah. riding minus 30 to your kgs is what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's good to know. Um, yeah. And that's, that's another really, really common question that, that I think we have quite a good answer now. And, and that is avoid anything that's like your weight and then minus 15 or 20. Go lower. If you want to sink, sink. Like a lot of people will go, like say you're 90 kilos, people will go learn on 140, improve on a 110, maybe get a 90, and then oh, I might try a 75. But it's terrible because if you get a board that only just sinks, it's super quirky. It just wants to throw you off left, right, and center. Like it's, it's, it's actually not easy to ride because right where you want to grab your wing, the the board throws you off or a little wave hits the foil or a little current pushes or it goes or you fall forward and the board slides under you on the back. If you get a proper sinker, like minus 20 or even more, you can just grab the board, push it under, push it under your knees and hold it under. And then you're actually quite nice and stable and you can grab your wing and or, or do like the sink bug style where you make yourself really small and crouch to get and you get a bit of wind under the wing and, and pull up. And I, I, I literally had this with a friend yesterday when I was riding. He was riding a 70. The guy was 85 kilo. He was riding a slice 70 that I gave him because he thought he wanted to buy that. Then I gave him my skipper 60 and, and he was like completely confused. He said, but I can, this 60 is easier to ride than the slice 70. And it's crazy. Cause there was a lot of winds. It was a good day, but like that's, that's how that works in, 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 in our, in our mind and then what we advise. So yeah, if you want to go sinker, wait for a proper day because wind helps, makes it way easier. Wait for a day that's at least 18 to 20 knots and go proper sinker straight away. No matter the brand, just, just go, go all in sinker. And I know you're going to have more, more fun. So you're recommending like minus 30. Yeah. 20, 25, 30 depending on okay. your skill. Well, I personally like 60 better than 70. Like I, I right. 60, I can, I can sink, be on my knees on the board. I'm like waist deep, like, like little, uh, little under chest deep and I'm stable. 
Like I can control this 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 thing that wants to go to the surface underwater with just my knees. And I have two hands to grab my wing and get power. Um, it's not sinking too far. It's not floating too much. For me, it's the right, the right balance. And, All right. You're and of using course, it's... Yeah. Yeah, are you using straps or no straps? Both. doesn't matter for okay. me. I right. like using straps as well. I sometimes use the straps underwater to hold the board, sort of control the board. So I grab the back strap with my both my feet and I sort of hold it between my feet. It does help. Um, but I can do with or without. It doesn't I like I just like riding straps because I like doing some jumps as well. But we have our own straps which are really soft EVA straps. So you can actually stand on the strap as well. So I wave right out of straps. I just stand on the straps and then I slip my feet in if I want to do a jump. And I, I personally const constantly switch, but for me, it works either way. Oh, that's cool. You? Um, I'm still riding strapless, but this year I was, there's just, it, it's, I think it's in all of us. There's that little piece in there. And it's like, it would be cool to ride a small board with some straps and, and do something, right? So it's in there. It hasn't been, it hasn't materialized yet, but um, I'm definitely, because I'm 70 kilos and I'm riding a 72. It floats me, water's colder. So for me, I yeah. can get going with that thing. And I switched down. I I've been riding primarily a three meter wing this year. And hmm. uh, my That's foil's quite... a bit bigger. It's like a V1 Armstrong 1550. So it's a bigger foil, but yeah. I can get that thing going pretty quickly with the, with the new threes from, from KT. And yeah, it's this year finally that I realized that with skill and, and, and with that development of the wing, um, I don't need much bigger for like 17, 18 knots or whatever. I can get going because I'm a smaller guy on a tiny wing. And then the, f the fun of being on such a small wing is pretty cool, but that that's not boards, but, yeah. um, no, 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 so but for it, that, I've it seen... will be the same with boards. It will be mm -hmm. the same with boards because it yep. smaller gear equals more freedom, looser, quicker control over your foil, less drag, same with the wing. I mean, a big wing is just flapping and oh, it just sits in the flip way. around. It's just, yeah. And a three meter is easy, you know, same with, oh, and it will be the same with board if you start going smaller. But if like at 70 kilos, you need to go 50, you need to go all in. Don't go 60. You have to go 50 and it will be a struggle. But I mean, there's no fun if you can do it in an hour. Like what's the fun in that? It's like E4. Oh, no. It's too easy. <laughs> you want something that, that, that brings you back and you're almost ready to throw it away. And I think that's, that's what kind of can, yeah. brings us coming back. So yeah. now length of board, obviously, have you had a lot of questions of people asking how long is too long? How short is too short? Um, cause we kind of talked about the bottom, we talked about full track, but what about width and length now? Um, it, it all ties together, obviously. Okay. Um, the, the trend is going longer and narrower, um, which the, the KT's boards are, people like them because they're, well, I hear that a lot because they're a bit longer um, and it does just work. I mean, a longer, narrower board equals less drag, better low end. Um, people say like, ah, oh, swing weight, this and that. But if you move the foil a bit forward, you're more balanced so that swing weight's not much of an issue. Um, so it's slowly getting uh, a little bit longer uh, and then you can go narrower so that's that's a nice plus but you know when you go narrower and longer it does get 
more unstable, especially when you're on your knees. So it's harder for people to learn. So I would say definitely short and wide and a bit chunky is very good for beginner to intermediate. And then once you, you know, know how to ride back and forth through your decks and all that stuff, and you use, you know, you know, you're going to ride whenever uh, you can go longer and narrower but then the really long ones you get more into sort of the downwind territory of boards which this year is of course really blown up and um it's insane how low of a wind speed you can go on a downwind board with a wing it's crazy because these mm -hmm. things are just like they're like super thin like a needle they have very limited drag the bottom is super rounded so it doesn't have any planing surface it's just like a canoe it just keeps going and it maintains speed. Um, so with a little bit of wind and little gust and a little bit extra help of pumping, you can get it up to speed and up to foil speed and, and cruise onto foil. But then you're riding this really long board and you know, you gotta ask yourself if that's if you even want to ride in eight knots or ten knots. If you if you're a super committed winger and you want to wing all the time and you know a lot of people riding in lakes where it's super gusty and they want to always make sure they can get back to shore this kind of kind of board can really can really work but you don't want to wave ride with it for instance okay yeah it's, i've seen that trend definitely blow up especially at a hood and stuff yeah. um because obviously that is ideal conditions where you can kind of but i guess any downwind situation would be would be pretty ideal now my buddy from Vancouver Island last year mentioned that that was the future and, and they are definitely coming down. Um, so what you're saying is the bottom is shaped a lot more like a canoe in that sense. So it would be a lot tippier to get on more for yeah. intermediate to advanced Super riders. Narrow. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. And then, yeah. 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 Are you guys, you carrying yeah, I mean, a line of those as well? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's also called the skipper because it's the same range. So the skipper range actually goes from a tiny pocket board that you use for kiting and behind the boat, a surf foil board, like a prone foil board, which is the same characteristics, narrower, longer, and with this bulge in this displacement hole, and then the wing range, and then the downwind range. And it sort of flows together. So it goes all the way from like 11 liters to 120 liters, uh, yeah, 120 liters in the biggest downwind board and everything in between. And then we just chop it up into bits like these are perfect for wigging, these are perfect for prone. And then we also tune the, the construction for each one. So the prone boards are a little lighter, they don't have inserts. The wing board boards have inserts, they, have, they come with deck pads as standard, they are the wing construction. And then when you go bigger, they are uh, lighter construction again so you don't have inserts on the downwind boards because you're not going to jump them they're like they're they're a bit more fragile but they're ultra light and ultra high performance and you can you know like i said you can definitely wing on these they are really really nice for winging but it's not for like hardcore jumping or anything but you're I'll have also to check. yeah i'll have here. to check to see if the store in vic has some of those if she brought any in because it'd be pretty fun to try she's a couple hours yeah. away um yeah. it'd be pretty fun to to give it a whirl on some different different ranges um, at, at, the, at the moment they're really hard to get because we are we are extremely full in the factory um and we just shipped out a few to the us there's a few here and there but i know that most of them are already pre-sold uh and um, our factory is running full stop 
but our our lead time at the moment is about 10 weeks because we're so full. So we're sort of, we're trying to keep up, but we also want to, you know, training new people and expanding is it's not easy. So it takes time. So it's, uh, it we're doing our time. best. It does <laughs> we take try time. to get boards out as quick as we can, but yeah, there's a limit to what we can do with our crew. No, definitely. Well, hey, thanks for sharing a little bit of that history and then walking through all that different um, board technology with us. Um, now, for, for those who are meeting you for the first time, could we talk maybe a little bit about you? Um, look into how, how did you find wind sports for the first time? Um, so me personally, I come from a, from a surfing background. Um, I'm, I'm 40 years old now. I used to windsurf in the 90s because who didn't? Uh, my father used to windsurf, but I never really liked wind sports. I never really liked the windsurfing and never really got me. Um, so I didn't do any water sports for a long time. Uh, started surfing, normal brown surfing when I was 15, 16. But back then in the Netherlands, there was no scene. So it was really, really small. I had to learn myself. If you look in the map in the Netherlands where it is, we're kind of blocked by the UK. So we don't have open ocean. We only have a, the North Sea. It's really shallow. So the waves get big, but we never get like proper swell. Like it's always short period, short lived. When there's wind, there's waves. When there's no wind, there's usually no waves. So yeah, same as the Great uh, Lakes. Yeah. Yeah. It's very similar to the Great Lakes, actually. Sometimes actually the Great Lakes have better swell than us because they're, because it's deeper. But we do get some north swell because if you look on the map north, there's like a gap toward Iceland and Norway. And that's the only direction that we get proper swell in. So especially in summer, you get some days where it's like waist high, hip to waist high, uh, cleaner-ish, clean-ish, maybe nine, ten seconds, something like that. But that's it. Uh, never okay. much bigger than that. Sometimes if a storm passes and it's, really nice weather straight after or the wind turns offshore you get this magic few hours where it's can even barrel and be super clean but this is nothing compared to france or portugal or or, uh, or, or hawaii or whatever um but like i said so my, my i got into kite surfing through my brother who started working okay. at mystics and I started to give that a go as well and found that i never really twin tipped i went straight to surfboards because uh, in the Netherlands, we get a lot of really strong sideshore wind, uh, and then the waves do get big, like four or five, six meter waves, it's not uncommon. Um, and but chunky and like full on 30 knots sideshore. But riding a surfboard with a kite is amazing there because it's just like there's waves everywhere, you can just smash the lip and then ride to the next wave and just do one big turn. And then, you know, that was really nice. So that's why. Kiting was the was the first thing for for me as a, as a new uh, wind sport, uh, and all, all of these are kite boards, by the way. Uh, okay. So we yeah, still we still do a nice. lot of those, um, and then foiling sort of started with kite foiling um, slowly. Actually, at the same time that we were experimenting making carbon fiber surfboards uh, and kite surfboards, uh, we were experimenting with carbon fiber because it works really well with our construction method. Um, but for kite surfing, the carbon boards were nice, but so stiff that they get really chattery on the one that's when it's choppy. So it's amazing when the waves are clean, but then they're hardly ever clean when you're kiting because it's windy. Yeah. Um, 
so it works, but it's like, it's not ideal. It works really nice for like freestyle and strapless freestyle. And the boards are super light. So, you know, people, and they look cool. So people still want them, uh, but like for comfort, I always advise just to go for the fiberglass because it, it's nicer. Yeah, good time uh, as well. And then and, and foiling came about. So we started experimenting, making a few like early foil boards. They were pretty shit and we were struggling with the connection. And it was also when foiling still had, brands had different widths and sizes of the connection and it was still toddle boxes, which are completely dead apart from racing. Um, it was tricky, you know, we we're just experimenting with some stuff. We tried all kinds of, of ways to connect the foil, bolting it through the board, whatever. But the carbon fiber really worked well. So experiment, a carbon fiber is naturally extremely stiff. And with foiling, you have this ma massive leverage thing with the mast and the, and the wings. The, the thing that you steer is quite far away from you. So the stiffer you make that whole connection, stiffer you make the connection, the board to the, to the mast, Stiffer you make the mast, stiffer you make the fuselage, the, the nicer it rides, the better control that you have. Mm -hmm. uh, and it turned out our boards, we were already using the waterproof foam. We were started to use the carbon fiber. And it's just like super nice. And it's just a natural thing to start making these boards. And then it grew from there into surfoiling slowly came up. So we were the first people surfoiling in the Netherlands, my brother and me and one friend. Just hey, like trying to surf foil on kite foils, <laughs> like a 500 <laughs> centimeter kite foil and a, and a 60 centimeter mast trying to surf foil and got little glides in. It was really fun. We got shouted out of the water by any every on boarder that they were afraid <laughs> of the sword that we had on their board, but it was fun. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, made a few boards. Like, that's a nice thing about having a board brand. You can just dream it up, cook it up, and make it. You know, it's, it's really nice. We made all kinds of weird prototypes uh just having a laugh just experimenting uh, with, with new stuff um and then winging came and it was actually quite funny because it was just after we moved to portugal so my brother was in portugal and i was here um i'm in the netherlands by the way so portugal uh it's 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 not far but it's also not but you drive there um and we got disconnected a little bit because he was full on production and I was full on sales marketing and everything. So we, we got split up and, and we had a few meetings where we were discussing what we're going to do in the next, what the new projects are. And I kept saying like, oh, this winging will be a thing, this winging. And he was like, no way. It's never going to be a thing. It's related to <laughs> And it, I was like, no, 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 it's going to be the new thing. It's going to be the new thing. And I put it on the agenda for months, like, I don't know, six months. Every time we had this section in the meet in the monthly meeting, like chances, and I would just put wing winging in chances. It's like screw you with your winging. I eventually got him <laughs> to make a prototype, and it was absolutely horrible. I remember it was like I think Kalama back in the day was making these subs. They were really thin, ultra wide, like flat as a door, and super sticky super weird it was like 108 liters we did make it out of carbon fiber but it was massive so it took a huge amount of carbon fiber actually quite a, quite a costly thing but we we managed to get it on we, we managed to learn how to wing on this it's actually not long ago maybe like four or five years ago oh wow okay uh, first series of well it was the first series of wings ozone wasp is what we have we worked together with ozone quite a bit so we got a wasp from them um this board didn't work so we started working on some upscaling, scaling up our, a few of our surf oil boards, and uh, 
Um, and then I had, I had a, and I remember I had it like a 70 liter and I was like, this is going to be easy on it because I was surf foiling on like a 35 liter or something. So I was like, 70 liter, huge. You have it in your hands and you're used to all these like 21, <laughs> 20 liter, boy. like 70 liters, huge. Like remember I'm 90 kilos. So I started, I tried winging on this seven and it just like, yeah, you can imagine what happened. It was impossible. <laughs> it was I was just <laughs> shouting and screaming. I remember my wife was in a boat next to me. It's like, shall we go home? Oh, I need to get this. Uh, it was terrible. There was no school. There was no nothing. There was no inflatables. Uh, it's just uh, trying. To, uh, eventually got it, but it was such a such a hassle. But oh, yeah, yeah. the rest is history. I guess the winging took off so quickly. Of course, together with COVID and stuff, it was a bit of a coincidence, crazy situation where everyone was jumping on this new sport. No one, no brand could deliver because China was closed, locked down, the ships were not going. Uh, so our demand just went through the roof. So we were just producing wing boards and it took over like so much of our production because we were doing mostly kite boards and some kite foil. And now we are doing like, I'd say like two thirds of what we do has a foil box, maybe even more. So it's combined wing boards and kind of, and we're doing, we're making a lot of boards now. So yeah, it's good that we put it on the agenda and then I pushed it through uh, because yeah, otherwise we wouldn't be where we are now. And and uh, like I said, it, it it just, it works so well with our construction. It's the, the, the way that we produce boards, the carbon fiber, the foam, the stiffness, the connection, it's, it's actually ideal, ideally tuned for foiling, but it wasn't developed for foiling. It just naturally works um, and, and it works so much better than any other construction. So yeah, it's just a luck, lucky thing, I guess. It's just a, yeah, yeah, I guess that was, that was meant to be. Um, yeah. What was your, when you did get flying for the first time, do you remember what that feeling felt like? I ask everybody this just because I'm fascinated <laughs> by everybody's well, experience. <laughs> Relief, mainly, that I finally got it to work. <laughs> I can't remember if I was like, well, I was already kite fighting, so I knew the feeling. Okay. Uh, so with the wing, it was more like, ah, oh, finally. that Now don't fall. Like, I'm going one way. At some point, I need to go the other way. I need to do this jibe thing, which I'm not going to make, of course. So I fell and I had nope. to swim back. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. No, I, 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 I was kite foiling already, so I knew the feeling, but I still, okay. it's still a magical thing. Like foiling is still such, um, and everyone always asks on the beach because it's still quite new. So a lot of people are not into it or, or maybe seeing it for the first time. And everyone always asks, and like, I think it's the closest thing you can get to flying. Like it's flying by yourself at least. So, yeah. um, yeah. yeah, that's a good analogy. Same with powder, uh. It's close to yeah. powder snowboarding, That's powder it. skiing, yeah. that kind of thing yeah. too. Yeah. But for me, it was just like blown away. So. Fair enough. Well, flying it is. <laughs> I'm, I'm, okay. Flying <laughs> I'm okay with flying. Yeah. It, I always like when you're in um, Central America and stuff, you always have these these pelicans that just glide on the wave, you know, these lines of pelicans. I always compare it to that. It's like that. They're doing the same thing, just slightly above the... the the water using the air and we use the water but it's a similar kind of glide and feeling and it's just like no more noise no it's just smooth no more chop no more bouncing around just just a glide just still 
still magical and still it's what I think is what keeps people coming back. Oh yeah, especially I think everybody like it's getting introduced now. It, it a it takes a little while to learn it, obviously, but they're blown away at that. For me, it was the sightseeing as well because down like yeah. you can climb upwind in fifteen minutes, and then yeah. do this massive downwinder, which was never possible. Like yeah. you would have to yeah. work so hard windsurfing and kiting to get that far upwind, but foiling it's too taxed. You're there, so yeah. all that aspect of things yeah. has been has been just so fun no just i want to go there and then you just go there you just go. You go there and you can just go all the way downwind because the wind's better there because you know you're going to get back up when it's done. and then another thing here is uh, kiting is so holland is is full of lakes there's water everywhere but kiting is only allowed on a few flat water freshwater spots and on the sea but um that's recent hundreds right of lakes no, no, no. It's been like that no? forever. Okay. okay. The lakes are so small and there's trees everywhere. And there's like Holland, is, there's there's too many people here, basically. There's cars, trees, uh, cows, sheep, whatever. Everything is in your way. So there's 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 few only a few spots that are big enough to launch a kite. And then there's there's like they have a bunch of buoys in the water. You have to stay within this. Like, um, But back in the days in the 80s and 90s when windsurfing was big big boom and everybody was windsurfing there's windsurf clubs and little windsurf beaches got put in back then and they're still there um so you you're allowed to wing everywhere literally everywhere so it opens up a completely new market of people who are not don't live close to the sea um and and live close to a lake and, and people are, are winging everywhere and 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 it, it all comes together it's the it's it's allowed it's legal it's less dangerous than kiting it's way easier in in gusty conditions than kiting because oh, yeah. the lakes are all gusty um and with kiting it's too dangerous because your kite drops in the middle of the lake and you're screwed and with the wing it doesn't matter you just sit and wait for the next gust and you go again so that makes it safe and, and fun for everyone to do on all of these lakes and i think everyone in the netherlands lives within 30 minutes of a lake where you can wing like almost everywhere so this opens up this whole new and the same is in germany and in denmark and in large parts of france there's so many new spots open up i hear the same from my guys in the uk as well all these old windsurf clubs now start winging. A lot of them uh, stopped operating. The some are reopening with winging. So it's it's a completely. And I see a lot of inflow from old windsurfers who haven't done water sports for years, and then get back into. And they see this winging. It's like, oh, that's fun. And they're old now, so they have a proper job. They have some some disposable income, so they'll just buy the whole set and just go, which is amazing. It's cool. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah. And it gives them a new opportunity. I've talked to a lot of people and they're like, this is something brand new. It's it's awesome that I can watch the creation and the building of a brand new sport as well. Cause yeah, like I didn't see windsurfing, but this has just been such a, I don't know, such a blessing, I guess, just to be able to watch something. Cause it's expanding so quickly. The kids now yeah. are throwing backflips, front flips, seven twenties, yeah. like all of that stuff is, is just insane. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think it has the exactly the right balance between it's not too easy that that you get bored and it's not so hard that it takes years to master. It's the perfect balance. Like you can have success in just a few hours, uh, but there is a learning curve that is really long. So you keep getting better slowly, 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 but quick enough to make it to keep it exciting which in a lot of other sports is not the case. Like it's either super dangerous or it gets dangerous really quickly 
or it's so hard, like normal surfing. If you don't start normal surfing before you're like 15 or 16, you're never going to get really good. And people that, that go surfing on their, in their thirties, they, they can ride a wave, but they'll never get proper good with winging. You can start at 40 and still get good, you know, within a few years, which I think. Yeah. Really I started, popularity. I started surfing four days ago and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sorry. I, I crushed your dreams now. Oh shit. That's <laughs> uh, all right. I, I just turned 40 this year and, uh, I'm in Tofino, Tofino, BC right now. And, um, and I was like, or down in Yuki, actually you clulet and, Obviously, everybody talks about Tofino. It's 20 minutes away. So I was like, whatever. So I have this, obviously, windsurf, kite, and then wing. And I was like, I'm going to give this thing a go. I've sup surfed, but I've never traditional surfed, right? Yeah. So I have this big, long board right now. And I caught my first few waves. And uh, it was pretty cool. But yeah, definitely, there's so much learning. So I was just going every day. This is just my personality. So every day for two, three hours. And then just try yeah. to paddle in. I got to figure out everything that I didn't have to figure out winging. I've winged at this yeah. spot once and I would just catch the, like at Long Beach, you catch it, you kick out and all the servers were waving and they were like, what are you doing on that wing? And, like, and so I was doing that catching 10 times more waves, but this has been a pretty fun experience so far. And, and yeah, I, I don't know yeah. where it's going to end, but <laughs> we'll have to see. Like it, it doesn't, it, it, like, I'm not saying like, you I'm can not going to go to pipe. But <laughs> yeah. You're not going to ride barrels or do like crazy no. turns. Um, yeah. And with winging, if you start at 40 in in a couple of years, you can do taxi, you can ride waves and you can, you know, Everything. race your friends and, and do all that stuff and have like a bit of a quicker fix than with surfing. You really have to commit and you have to be that guy that is on the water for three hours every day. You get completely yeah. wasted, you know. Yeah. Oh, it's, you drain. It's still fun. Oh, yeah. it's a blast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I had a complete blast yeah. surfing. There was like probably 20 of us there, most beginners. And what it did do actually is it helped me reconnect with that. Because as you get better winging and windsurfing and stuff, you get a little bit pickier and you're like, I want three, four foot swell. Like with us, it's it's like if I can get four yeah. foot swell on a windsurfer in 20, 25 knots on a smaller sail, it's beautiful. Same thing with winging. Yeah. You want some bigger stuff so you can go small. But this, uh, yeah. I looked at people and how excited they were to ride this two foot, <laughs> two foot yeah. wave. I was yeah. like, okay, fine. Like I'm going to have fun with this and then see where yeah. I can take it. And it'll only help my other sports. Yeah. But uh, yeah, definitely. But the, but but surfers are the pickiest people I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe in the Netherlands where the waves are always shit, and that people are quite like like. We have this saying, which basically translates to if they're there, you go, because that's what you do here. But if you're in France, like the locals will be on the side, nah, well, it's, it's too, it's not it's too not so unsure. We're not going to go. So, yeah, they, they do get ultra picky after a while. And it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Maybe with winging in a few years' time, we say the same. It's like, oh, I remember that winging. Yeah, that was boring. <laughs> now yeah, I'm doing, curious to I see. Know. I don't know what. We'll see. Curious I don't see think what's going to come next. Quickly. I don't. Yeah. I don't think it will happen that quickly. But it did sort of happen with kitefoiling. Like most of the guys that I know kite, who were kitefoiling are all winging now, and they don't really kitefoil anymore. So mm. I don't know. 
might happen. We do, we do still sell quite a few kite boards. So there's new kiters going into foiling for, for as a lightweight option. So for me, and it's still there, everything has its place, you know, like you have with windsurfing, I go kiting when it's really strong and the waves are perfect. I still go kiting. I'm not going to go winging in 30 knots and four meter waves. Like I have friends who do, but I, I can't be bothered. And I also don't wing when it's less than 15 knots because it's just boring to me. And I'll go kite foiling because it's so much better in those lightweight conditions. And then when there's no wind, I go surf foiling or normal surfing. And in between, I go winging. So it's perfect. I, I wish I had more time. So <laughs> <laughs> that's, no, yeah, yeah, it has its place. It has, for me, it has a perfect place in that bracket of like 13, 14 to 20, 23 knots. Uh, it's my winging, my wing range, what I like, what I like to go winging in. No, that's beautiful. At least then you have the tool set to pick from different. And I think that's what a lot of us who have been in this forever is we're now opening up this toolbox. Yeah. And I think more people are realizing it's like, oh, like I can, it's good surfing weather now, or it's good this weather now, or it's good that weather now. And at least with all these new companies yeah. and coming out with awesome new toys, um, you can have, you can expand your front, your fun zone, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, Hey, is there anything else that you'd like to cover? No, I don't think so. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm keen to see how, how the, how the Canadian, uh, market is sort of opening up. We're doing a little bit in Canada, but it's, it's always tricky for us to know from here and it's, a, it's long and expensive to travel there. So I try to go to the, at least to Hood River once a year to, because it's a nice location where everyone, where I can meet everyone. Um, really hope to be able to visit Canada at some point, see if I can sort of slip that in. But, um, yeah. Well, heck, let me know if you come out. We got some good connections on on the coast here on the island, just north of Hood. Um, yeah, and I might actually yeah. I might actually drive down to AWSI because that's in September, and it's a six it's to seven hour you. drive for me. It's not yeah, far at all. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad at all. And It'll it's, be super fun. It's really fun. Like it is really, it's a really fun event. They they have been talking about opening it up to the public for a number of years, but the location just doesn't allow because it's way too small. And now with winging and all these new brands coming in, I think they're also limiting the amount of brands that are allowed to exhibit there because it's just this tiny stretch of grass where they have the event and it's just getting too small. But it's um, it's a really, really nice event uh, and everyone's there and it's a really good opportunity to test new test new gear and meet new, possibly meet new uh, people for your podcast as well, which is cool. So yeah, it's probably completely worth it to to go and you get to meet us and ride our boards as well which is oh yeah that'd be a, fun, that'd be so fun. Yeah. nice well hey well thanks a lot for taking the time out of your day today and enjoying your i think you Thank had you. half your beer so that's pretty oh no, my beer is done stuff. oh it's done it's oh, seven here my wife is is whatsapping me when i when i'm gonna come home and, uh, okay it's all good perfect it's still raining well, <laughs> <laughs> it'd be a nice family night so um, thanks, everybody, for joining us tonight. Mm -hmm.